Welcome to the Emmanuel Church Podcast. Here at Emmanuel Church, we believe that God wants to meet us where we're at. So whether you're at home, work, or somewhere in between, you can listen to the message from our Sunday worship experience. We would love for you to stay connected with us by visiting our website at myemmanuelchurch.com or at any social media platform at myemmanuelchurch. We hope you enjoy this message. joining us here today. You can take a seat if you're here. Thank you to our worship team as always for their great job. Thank you to our media team and everybody that has kept us running these past few weeks, uh, weeks, months that we have just been doing online service. Uh, So I have an announcement to make on that. Um, we have just been meeting here online for the past several months. We we had a brief run where we did reopen, but um, starting October 4th, which is the first Sunday of October, we are going to be officially inviting you back, welcoming everyone back to be with us. We are going to continue to do social distancing and asking that as you come, you wear a mask so that we continue to stay safe, but we are are going to be inviting everyone to come back and join us. And as you can see, we are not in our usual location. If you are joining us online, we are going to be back in our main church sanctuary when we do open up in October. Um, That is so that we can better social distance and do what we can to keep our place and our space safe for everyone that is going to be joining us. So... Uh, we we can't wait to see you. We loved you. We love you. We have missed our, our all our faces that we usually see here, and we hope that we will see you back on October fourth. We will be putting out more information in the next couple of weeks, and hope that you can join us then. Uh, but continuing on, if you if you are joining us here online for the first time, uh, let us know in the chat. Um, we want to connect with you so that we can get to know you better and serve you better. And if you want to continue to give to this ministry, you can go to myemanualchurch.com slash give to be able to find out how you can give the different options of which you can give. You can give online on the website. You can give through text message. You can give through the church center app or you can give in person. And so there's a lot of different ways that you can give. Um, and as we continue to do our best to serve you here and serve our community, we, we, we welcome that you continue to support us here. So this week we are continuing our series, Try Softer. And I brought the book along with me this time. Uh, Try Softer by Aundi Colbert, Andy Colbert. Uh, it is a great book. It has, uh, I have always said that um, uh, seeing a therapist, seeing a counselor is great, is a great thing. I always say you need Jesus and a counselor because some things we can't just, we can't get by just reading the Bible alone. We need someone to help us along with us and help us along the path. And for certain, as I've read this, I started thinking like, yeah, I for sure need to start seeing a counselor because I know I got some issues that I need to work through. And don't we all? Don't we all? And that's been the point of this series, it, going through this book. And now I'm, I haven't been able to go through everything and I will not be able to go through everything in this series. So I encourage you to check out the book for yourself. Um, but 
what we have been able to go through is encouraging us to move into a place of healing, to try softer, to to not be so rough on ourselves and rough in life and just to 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 power through things, to white knuckle through things, to just grit through, like uh, clench your teeth and just go through. The point is that we have been trying to do our best to try softer. And this week, uh, the title of my message is Facing the Inner Critic. Something that I have been saying this uh, throughout this series is that we are our biggest critics. We are the harshest on ourselves. And so today we're going to find out how do we face then that inner critic. I want to read from Psalm chapter 25 verse 6 in the Amplified Version of the Bible. Um, because I love the way... Uh, the Amplified Version of the Bible is one of my favorites because it, it it gives you an expanded language as to how you can better understand. It gives you different synonyms and words that you can see. It's like, oh, well, you know, if you don't know that word, it gives you another word that you might know, you might understand. And I love the way this particular verse says this, and this is going to be the core of our message today. It says, remember, O Lord, your tender compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from of old. O Lord, your oh, remember, O Lord, your tender compassion and your loving kindness, for they have been from of old. Father, I ask that you speak to us today through your word, that you help us to face our inner critic, God, and that you would be with us and remind us of your compassion and your love. You know, when, I, when we first began here in Emmanuel Church, um, I was definitely my worst critic. I was my own worst critic. Every sermon I preached, I thought I did a horrible job. Everything that I thought I did, I was like, man, you know, I, I'm just a failure as a pastor, as a leader. I, I, I just am not good at this. I don't know what I'm doing. And, you know, that, that, that still holds true. I don't know what I'm doing. But it, the thing is, is I continue to constantly put myself down. Every week that I failed to see people show up was a week that I had done horribly. Every week that I that that people didn't uh, engage with us online or didn't uh, see uh, like our posts on Instagram or whatever, every single thing that was happening, I was like, "This is my fault." I am just a bad person. I'm just a bad leader. And I continued to put myself down to the point where I couldn't see the brighter side of things. I couldn't see that what I was saying wasn't true. I, I, I could not see that. I would, every Sunday, I, every Sunday after service, I wanted to quit. You know? They always say that uh, pastors always want to quit every Monday or every Sunday after service. I think, like for me, it was every Sunday after service. I wanted to quit. I would tell my my wife everything that I was thinking, everything that I was feeling, everything that I was going through. And, and you know, she was my biggest cheerleader and supporter. And she, she would always tell me, it's like, you know, that's not true. You know that, that that you're just being hard on yourself. You know that you're being difficult with yourself. You, you're, you're, you're believing these lies that you're telling yourself, that the enemy is telling you, that no one else is telling you. You're the one that's telling you. And there was a breaking point. At some point, I started actually 
listening and hearing her. Because, you know, when we go through things like that, sometimes we can't even hear the voices on the outside. And I started listening and hearing. I was like, you know what? She's right. I need to give these worries and these troubles and the things that I'm feeling to God. So that he can work in me and show me that I was just being too hard on myself. I was being too difficult. I I was blaming myself for everything and putting myself in a position of shame, uh, of shame. Now, guilt is something that no one likes to feel. Shame is no something that no one likes to feel. But the problem is is that a lot of a lot of times what what happens is that we have been taught this way. We've been taught to do what I was doing. We've been taught to shame ourselves, to guilt ourselves, to be hard on ourselves, to say because that's what we have been taught is the only way to improve. You know, it's the, we've taught ourselves that's the only way to become a better person is to just be hard on ourselves, to feel guilty for every mistake that we make, for everything that we do. We have to feel that way. Otherwise, we will never change. We will never change. But that's not what we have been called to do. What, what I was doing, what we do in life, that's not what God has asked to do of us. Sure, there's nothing wrong with being a little critical of yourself and paying attention to your weaknesses and things you need to improve on in life. That's just growth. That's just trying to be a better person. But it becomes shame and it becomes unhealthy when we constantly judge ourselves and are constantly in a place believing the lies that we are telling ourselves. A lot of times this comes from, like I said, bad teaching. We were taught this or shown this by parents or people that have uh, were important in our lives. And they may not have even told us directly. But they have given us consequences or told us of consequences that would happen to us if we wouldn't follow through. Well, you know, if you don't, you know, and I, I, off the top of my head, I can remember some, you know, just growing up that, that Latino parents tell, tell their kids, if you don't go to sleep, the cocoy's going to come and get you, you know. And they make you feel bad for not going to sleep. You know, they, well, I got to go to sleep. I don't want no monster getting me in the middle of the night. It's crazy. And we believe these things. And though sometimes those things seem harmless, but they get worse. And they can be worse. We're told, we're told that we cannot be better if we, if we don't change our behavior, if we don't change who we are ultimately. And so we start to feel bad about who we are, who our, our entire existence just becomes shameful. You know, why am I even here? Why am I even, am I even following God's calling in my life? Am I even loved by God? Our crit, when we allow shame to take root in our lives, then we hold this false truth. We, we, we think it's truth, but it's a lie. It's a lie. This is the enemy's way. This is the world's way of making sure that we feel abandoned and that we do not feel the love of God for us. The difference, though, there is a difference. Like, you know, the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit brings us conviction, and that's a kind of guilt. But it's a positive kind of guilt. It's the kind of guilt where you examine your weaknesses. You know what? It's like, oh, you know, I didn't do that so well last time. Maybe I can improve on that. 
It, it, it's the kind of guilt that comes into our life gently and healthily. The Holy Spirit comes to us when we when we are, are in sin or living our lives in a wrong way and gently wraps his arms around us and says, Hey, yes, you made a mistake, but it's going to be okay. You can get past this. You can get past this. Shame, however, doesn't look at our weaknesses and our mistakes and say that that's just something that you've done. It looks at our weaknesses and mistakes and says that is who you are. You're not, you, you did, you just didn't, you know, you didn't, you didn't sin. You are sin. You didn't just say something bad. You are bad. You didn't just, uh, you weren't just rude. You're just a rude person. You, that's just who you are. That is your identity. You are now just this horrible person. And that's what shame does to us. Shame will tell us that we are not valuable, that we are not loved. But that couldn't be further from the truth. We are not, we are not in that place. No, even if we feel that we are not loved by God, God loves us. Even if we feel that no one is around us or with us, we, we're not alone. But it can feel that way when we allow shame, when we allow our inner critic to win the battle. So how do we face our inner critics? Because how, how, that voice, that voice, sometimes it sounds like people we know. Sometimes it sounds like a friend or a parent. Sometimes it's us, you know, our own voice being our own worst enemy and putting us down. But there are ways that we can come combat this. There are ways that we can stand against the critic in our head. You know, it, you're not crazy because you hear voices telling you you're a bad person. You're not crazy because you talk to yourself. You know? Uh, I, in fact, they say that people who talk to themselves are in better mental health than others. So, I must be really healthy because I talk to myself all the time. <laughs> but, <laughs> joking aside, the reality is though... We need to be able to confront our critic. That means we do need to speak into our own lives. We need to speak into our lives. We need to speak over our mind. And to, I want to give you some strategies that the author, um, that the author of Try Softer gives us as to how we can face our inner critics. How can we improve? How can we grow from a place of shame and guilt to a place of healing to a place of wholeness? So, First off, it, start, it starts with mindfulness versus over-identification. Now, we talked about mindfulness. Last week, we talked about mindfulness. And it's about paying attention to what is around us. Practicing grounding so that we are aware of what is happening in ourselves, what is happening around us, what is happening physically, emotionally, spiritually. That is mindfulness. Over-identification is exactly what I've spoken about so far. It is taking our bad experiences, taking our weaknesses, taking our sin, taking our mistakes, and making that our identity. But that's not what we are. So in order to fight the critic that tells us that we are just bad, we have to practice first mindfulness. Mindfulness allows us to ground ourselves in God. It allows us to be meditative. One of the things that I, I love about the way the Bible talks about meditation is that it, it puts our focus in the right place. 
You know, some meditation in the world is about being empty-minded or clearing your thoughts. But this is not about that. This is about putting our focus in the place where we are, we, we, where our focus, our main focus is God. It's Jesus. So in order to practice mindfulness, to break away from identifying ourselves, we have to be able to talk to ourselves. And this is one of the things that I, I, I like to talk about when it comes to thinking, because the brain is fascinating. The brain is a fascinating thing. And when we think things, and I've said it before, when we think things, our brain creates pathways. So the more we think something or the more we do something, the stronger those pathways in our brain become. That's why things become second nature to us. Things that we've practiced for a long time just become simple. They become easy. Sometimes we're even able to do them without even thinking anymore. Like, for instance, I... Um, I'm a mu- I'm a musician, uh, kinda not anymore maybe. Uh, I play in high school and middle school. I played the trombone, and at first I remember it being real, really hard and real, real difficult to be able to figure things out. But being a musician, one of the things I learned is the more I practice, the better I got. The one thing that I noticed a difference is that I also try to branch out to other instruments. I try to play the piano. I know like one song. I try to play the guitar. I know like one song. And then the one that I can't do at all is the drums. Like my brain cannot for the life of me figure out how to move my hands and my feet at different times to hit the drums in a different way to make it sound like David or Nathan up here. I cannot do that. I cannot do that. But drummers... It's easy for them because after years and years of practice, it's second nature. They don't even have to think about it. They know that I can just uh, step in and start doing whatever and they'll get it. I can't. I can't. But that's how our brain works. The more we do something, the more we say something to ourselves, the easier it is for us to believe it. So this is a good thing and a bad thing. As we fight our inner critic, it's a good thing. But our inner critic, that's why we believe them. That's why we believe it. That's why we believe these lies and these false truths in our lives. Because we have told ourselves over and over again. So she says, to practice mindfulness in a meditative way. And she says to do it this three ways. Our author says it to do it these three ways. First, you start with yourself. And you tell yourself, mindfully, meditatively, prayerfully. May I, right now, here I am, experience Christ's love in this moment. Take stock of your surroundings. Take a moment to breathe and let everything else fade away. Say, may I experience Christ's love. May I experience Christ's peace in my life. May I experience Christ's presence in my life. May I experience Christ's compassion in my life. But she extends it too. She says, not only do you do this for yourself, but once you've gone through and you've, you've told yourself these things, you start meditating and saying, right now, let me feel God's love. Let me feel his peace, his presence and compassion. Think of the second thing she says, to, in order to extend yourself, not just to yourself, but to the area around you, think of somebody that is close or, or precious to you, loved by you. And say, now that may they experience God's love, his peace, his presence, his compassion. 
And then extend it one more time. It says, now let the world experience his peace, his love, his presence, his compassion. What this does is that it, it creates this habit that we, that we can now allow ourselves to actually experience God's love. Because a lot of times, we can't even do that first. We can't even experience God's love because our critics are too loud. And it tells us we're just not worthy. We're just not valuable of that. So the more we do this, the more we are mindful of our place and uh, giving ourselves permission to experience God and to experience His love, the easier it's going to be to move forward and start fighting your critic. The second thing she tells us is this, self-kindness versus self-judgment. Self-kindness versus self-judgment. The Bible tells us to love ourselves, to practice self-compassion. But what is it? Self-compassion or uh, caring for ourselves, loving ourselves, being kind to ourselves is the same kind of kindness you might extend to a stranger, a friend, or a loved one. You know, we don't, human beings, unless, you know, you're a little mean-spirited, don't generally try to be rude to people you don't know. You know, we try to at least do that. You know, when you make eye contact with people and you do the awkward smile, it's like, hey, I don't know you, but hi. Hope you're having a good day. We, we try to be nice. We try to extend kindness to strangers, even if we don't really know them. Or, you know, if you're extremely introverted or don't like people, you just avoid eye contact at all costs and look down. But we try to be nice. We try to be nice to strangers. We try to, we, of course, we try to be nice to our friends. You know, to the people that we love. We extend kindness to them. And for us, even when we're going through a period of time where it might feel easier, it might even feel easier to be kind to others rather than to be kind to ourselves. We think of ourselves as deserving harsher treatment. We don't give ourselves grace. This self-kindness versus self-judgment is about extending grace to ourselves. We, not only do we have to be mindful and ground ourselves so that we are in a place that we can experience God's love. Now we need to start speaking to ourselves compassionately. This, this is something we have to do actively. This is something we have to take a moment and think about it and start doing. Because inactively our brains will think with, without us even trying. I, if, my word, the, the, the easiest example for me to explain to this is when I'm praying. I can, I wake up in the morning and I do my time of prayer and in the word in the morning, but it's real easy for me to start thinking, what do I need to do today? What's going on? I'm hungry. You know, what am I going to eat for breakfast? What am I going to do for lunch? Do I have to do anything? Like my brain starts wandering, but then it's not just trivial things. We start praying and we start thinking about things or people we're praying for. And then we start getting down on ourselves. Like, you know, wow, I'm, I'm just bad. I should, I should have done this a long time ago. I'm just a horrible person. And we start speaking negatively to ourselves. It's so easy. It's so easy. It is said that we think between... 20 to 80,000 thoughts in a day. And that about 80% of those end up being negative. Being negative towards ourselves and to everyone and to other things around us. So we have to do it actively. We have to take a moment to pay attention, to speak, 
to allow to speak over us to to speak over ourselves and allow ourselves to experience what's going on if we're in a situation where we're experiencing pain we need to let ourselves tell ourselves not not tell ourselves it's okay or you deserve this no why i'm experiencing pain take notice of what is happening around you in you mindfulness again second thing we need to tell ourselves is that it's okay to feel hurt it's okay to experience this this is normal part of life it's not because i'm being punished but it's just me it's what i'm feeling in this moment we need to tell ourselves that we are not alone the the common a common lie that we believe in life is that we are alone you know they say that you're born alone and die alone i don't even know who started that but that's not even true like if you are born you at least have your mother there you are not alone like that doesn't even make sense it reminds me of a cartoon that once said it's like it started my problems all started when i was born both of my parents didn't show up to my birth it's like that's not even possible like maybe the dad it's possible but like the mom is there you're not alone but we tell ourselves this lie we are alone we believe it but we need to remind ourselves speak compassionately speak kindly to ourselves and tell us i'm not alone in this i'm not the only one i am surrounded by people that are praying for me that are supporting me i may not see them in this moment but they are here they are here another thing we need to tell ourselves is that we need to remind ourselves to be gentle with our ourselves because we need reminding about everything we can't even remember like the basic things in life we walk out of the we walk out of our houses nowadays and we need our mask and nobody remembers uh, it ha- it's happened to me on numerous occasions where i will take my mask with me sometimes and i will be halfway i'll be almost to the do- the entrance like at walmart or something and i realize that my mask is in the car and i have to go back we we need to remind ourselves if we need to remind ourselves of stuff like that then we need to remind ourselves that we must be gentle that we need to be kind god is deeply compassionate with us it's like psalm 25 verse 6 his loving kindness is from old of old it's always been there he is deeply compassionate with us and he asks us to do the same he gives us not even not even that he gives us permission to love ourselves to be kind to ourselves to to take time to take care of ourselves he wants us to be able to do this he wants us to be able to do this thirdly the third thing that we can use to combat our inner critic is remembering that we have a common humanity versus our isolation it extends from that that we are not alone but that suffering isn't an isolated incident it's not just you it's not just you struggling many of us many many people right now might be saying you know what i'm looking for a job and i've been struggling with it, finding one i haven't been able to find one you're not the only one there are many others you know you might feel it's like well you know i feel like i'm the only one that's sad i'm the only one experiencing depression i i feel like i'm the only one i everywhere i go people seem to be smiling I don't know how you can tell with their mask on but I, you know we we say that to ourselves yet god but that's not the truth 
We're not the only one that's experiencing that. We're not the only one that's experiencing grief. There are others who have lost people, who have struggled through uh, this difficulty, and you are not alone. Humanity has struggled through this. And when we get a chance, when we recognize this truth, we are more likely to see ourselves as worthy of self-compassion. Because if we believe the tr- this lie that we are by ourselves in this, then we think we deserve it. We think that, you know, it's just punishment. But when we realize there are other people struggling the same as we are, well, if I should be kind to them, then I need to be kind to myself in this too. I'm not by myself. I'm not by myself. A way to do this is to connect ourselves with someone else. This is how we we can better do this. We need to connect ourselves through someone else. This is a strategy the author uh, puts out there. She says, picture someone that you love in your life. Someone, pay attention to how you feel that, someone that you strongly have feelings for, someone that you're, you're very committed to, that you know is committed to you, that loves you very much. Picture that person, and now... After you've noticed, you know, how that makes you feel, now pay attention and think about them going through the same thing that you are. What if they were struggling with grief? What if they were struggling with depression? What if they were worried about their finances? What if they were worried about, what if they'd lost? What if they were hurt? What if they were, you know, what if they were lonely? What, what would you tell them? Connect with someone else through this. You don't actually have to talk to them or tell them. But imagine, what would you say to them? Now take those things, take those actions. What would you say? What would you do? And move that to yourself. If you would want to hug them, give yourself a hug. It might look weird, but we need hugs. We're supposed to be social distancing and stuff too, but we need physical contact. We need to love ourselves. Give yourself a hug. What would you tell them? It's like that you're not alone, that I'm with you, that I'm praying for you. Tell yourself that. You're not alone. Someone's praying for you. When we realize this, we are, it's easier for us to be able to know that we're not alone in our struggles. Because ultimately, and I'm almost done here. Ultimately, we have a God who loves us. Through all of this. The most important thing that I, like I started with is God's loving kindness, his compassion that Psalm 25 verse 6 tells us God's tender compassion and his loving kindness. This word, this loving kindness, this is, this is the, the way it's been expressed in scripture and, it, and it's not always easy for people to translate. As I was reading through this, they were talking about how the, the word loving kindness that they translate as loving kindness is sometimes translated as towards mercy or a couple of different other words. But it's because it's, it's this idea that's hard to express in English. It's the idea that God's love is not just this emotion, but that it starts from the being, from the very core of who he is and moves outward to action towards us. That God's love is, is, is from the beginning. When it tells us this, there are so many places 
That the word loving kindness is used to describe God's love towards us. That it's not just this, this fuzzy feeling that God feels towards us. So it's like, oh, I like you. You know, I love you. It's not that. It's more. It, it moves him towards action, towards compassion, where he steps into our world to do something and to remind us that we are loved. See, we live in an upside down kingdom. When we come to Jesus, we come to a kingdom that's upside down. There's so much about the kingdom of God that is upside down. Bible tells us the first shall be last. The ones who serve shall be the greatest. The ones who have nothing will have everything. And the ones who have everything will have nothing. It's an upside down kingdom. And the most, like, to me, when I was preparing this message, I had to remind myself of this. The most important one is that the things that should disqualify us from being worthy, from being loved, they don't. In fact... They motivate God to his loving kindness to reach out to us. The things that should disqualify, the things that the world tells us should disqualify us from being loved, from being worthy, from being, having value. The things that t- the world tells us make you nothing. God ex- looks at us and extends himself towards us. When we decide that we are not wanted, God reaches out for us. When we decide that we are not valuable, God extends his love to us. When we decide that we are not loved, God holds us close. And he reminds us that we are beloved. The Apostle 